All right, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett, and we're going to be continuing our teaching this morning on Know Jesus and Make Him Known. We apologize. We've had a delay. Uh, we had a late start. We had some technical difficulties. I, we believe we got those ironed out, so we have a late start. Uh, anyway, we're going to go ahead and preach our message this morning, or actually this afternoon now. It's 1230 in the afternoon. <coughs> Excuse me. We also apologize we were last, we were absent the last two weeks as we took a much needed vacation. So we are coming back from a vacation break on a late start. So we apologize for that. All of our teachings are archived on our website at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. Our, excuse me, let me say that again. Are archived on our website lighthousediscipleship.org, and they're also archived on the, our YouTube channel Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And so with all that said. Let's go ahead and jump into our message today, and we will continue. This is part four of so far a, part, a four part series, and so we hope to conclude this this morning, right this afternoon. <coughs> Excuse me. So, three weeks ago, we started our series talking about from Philippians chapter 3. And from Philippians chapter 3, excuse me, um, we talked about how Paul began to preach how he counted all things as lost, he counted all things as rubbish. <coughs> Excuse me, from knowing Jesus Christ. Paul, the Apostle Paul, who wrote more than half of the New Testament, considered everything, all of his accomplishments, as rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. And fast forwarding to first to first ten, excuse me, I don't have my clicker with me. Um, verse 10. Paul goes on to say that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul's number one ambition in life as Apostle Paul, as a believer, as a Christian, was to know Jesus and the power of his resurrection. And I talked about, I talked about that at length over the last few weeks, and so I'm not going to be teaching that again this morning. And then uh, I'm going to fast forward my message this morning to then in Ephesians chapter 3, <coughs> Paul, excuse me, Paul prayed two prayers in the book of Ephesians. And the first prayer that we can find in Ephesians chapter 1, excuse me, but the second prayer you'll find in Ephesians chapter 3. And Paul begins to pray that for this reason I vow to my, my, my niece and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven is named. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit, and in the man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you may be rooted and grounded in love. And you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so we spent some time here over the last few weeks talking about how Paul exhorts us and prays for us that we would know, that we would experience, that we would be in relationship with the love of Christ that passes intellectual knowledge. That we would experience his love more than we would know about his love. That we might be filled with all the fullness of God. I forget, I don't have a clicker this morning. Now to him who is able to 
Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. When we know the love of Christ, when we're grounded in the depth of the full dimension of his love, that surpasses just knowing about his love, we will be filled with the very fullness of God. And when, when we know God, when we know his love, when we're filled with his fullness, he is able to do above and beyond what we ever think or imagine according to his power that works in us. And we talked about that at length over the last few weeks. Okay? And then we also hit on this in John 17:3. Jesus said that <coughs> this is eternal life that we may know him. Eternal life is not going to heaven. And there is a heaven and there is a hell. But eternal life is simply knowing Jesus. You, in other words, you can experience eternal life now. Is Jesus coming again? Yes, he is. And Jesus is coming again for a church. And we will be with him for all eternity. But that does not define eternal life. Eternal life, going to heaven and not going to hell, is one of the major benefits of, of salvation. But it doesn't define eternal life. Eternal life is knowing God and knowing Jesus. I mentioned this in weeks past, and I want to mention it again real quickly this morning. That, you know, through the, through the years as a, as a pastor, as a minister, and even as, just as a Christian, <coughs> excuse me, we get people who, who um, they ask God for prayer, maybe for healing, maybe for finances or provision. Maybe for wisdom or a job. Maybe regarding a relationship. Maybe they need to be set free from an addiction or uh, some type of, of, of inappropriate lifestyle called sin. And once they get healed, once they get their prayers answered, they don't have a relationship with God. They don't know Him. They, they're, 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 they, they want the healing more than they want the healer. They want the provision more than they want the provider. They want to go to heaven, salvation, more than they want to have a relationship with God and a relationship with Jesus. If your only reason to get saved is so that you go to heaven and not hell, but you don't want a relationship with Jesus, you're missing out on eternal life. And in many ways, and I don't say this to offend you, but you're selfish. If the only reason you want to get saved is so that you go to heaven and not hell, then you're selfish. Yes, that's one of the major benefits, and it's worth preaching that there is a heaven, there is a hell, and one of the major benefits of you being saved is that you go to heaven and you don't go to hell, but that's not eternal life. Eternal life is knowing Jesus. And more than, more than us just receiving the benefits of our salvation, we want to experience a relationship with God. And this relationship with God is eternal life. And that's a relationship we want. Well, you know, one of the best benefits about heaven is that God is there, and one of the worst things about hell is God is not there. One of the greatest things that we need is a relationship with God. 
And so this message is about teaching about where we need to know Jesus. We teach a lot about healing in this church. <coughs> we, teach, <coughs> me. we teach a lot about provision in this church, how God is our provider. We teach a lot about the benefits of our salvation in this church. But the greatest aspect of Christianity that we teach and we believe and we're teaching in this message is that you would simply know Jesus and that you would have a relationship with him and that's eternal life. Yes, some of the great benefits of salvation as we teach a lot is that Jesus is our healer, Jesus is our provider, Jesus is our savior, that we live a holy and, and great life. Jesus is, and there is a heaven and not a hell. Those are great benefits and they're worth teaching and they're worth preaching. But the core of Christianity, the core of eternal life, is that we know Him. And that we have a relationship with Jesus. We went on to talk about, also in 2 Peter, how grace and peace be multiplied to you in this knowledge of Jesus Christ, uh, knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. And that His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In the knowledge, through this knowledge of Him, who has called us by, who has called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these we may be partakers of His divine nature, it's having escaped the corruption that's in this world through lust. There's a whole lot I can reteach here, and I'm not going to reteach it this morning, but we need to. Everything we need for life and godliness is found in the knowledge of, of, of Him. We need to know Him. Because everything you need, everything that you want, is found in the knowledge of Him. For you to even live a godly life, a holy life, living God-like, is found in the knowledge of Him. You can't live godly outside of a relationship with God. Because temperance is the food of the spirit, not the food of the flesh. You walk in the spirit not to fulfill the lust of the flesh, Galatians 5.16. Okay? And the communication of our faith becomes effectual, becomes effective, when we acknowledge every good thing that we have in Christ Jesus. Our faith can't be effectual until we acknowledge every good thing that's in us in Christ Jesus. Okay? We can reverse this verse. Your faith will be ineffectual if you don't acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. It will be ineffective. And that's why a lot of us are frustrated because our faith is not effectual. Paul said in Romans chapter 14 that anything that's, <coughs> excuse me, anything that's not a faith is sin. See, when we're not walking, the just shall live by his faith. And my point this morning is not to reteach this message, because this message is really a two-part message. We've been talking about knowing Jesus. But I want to I wanna now end this message by talking about a tagline that <coughs> the Lord had me add on in making him known. When I first started, when I first thought about preaching this message, I really, I made this little screen and I just had no Jesus, that, that was it. But I felt like the Holy Spirit had me go back and add this tagline and make him known. 
And so I I'm not going to reteach the first part of the message that I taught in the first three lessons. And you'll have to go to our archives to re-look at those messages. I gave you a little sneak preview this morning and recapping some of that this morning. But, excuse me, I want to spend the remainder of our time this morning and talk about this last tagline that the Lord had me add on and make him known. Okay, hopefully I'm making sense this morning. So I want to begin, though, uh, by going to the, the book of Matthew. And we're going to be looking at the Great Commission real quick. And Jesus came and spoke to them, his disciples, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, <coughs> and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and though I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Excuse me. And so, the Great Commission, we've all heard it. Most of us know this. That we are called, us, not just us pastors, but we are all called to go make disciples of all nations. That is our calling. This is also echoed in Mark's version, where Jesus said to them, Go into all the world, that's the very same language, and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe will be condemned. He goes on to say, and these signs will follow those who believe. We're supposed to make disciples of all nations. We're supposed to preach the gospel, the good news, to all the world. And when we do, these signs will follow those who believe. We're supposed to make Jesus known, make disciples of all nations, preaching the gospel, the gospel of Christ, he says, in my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will, will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, they will by no means hurt them, they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. He, can, he, go, he concludes by saying, so then after the Lord has spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, <coughs> me, and sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached Everywhere. They went out and preached the gospel. They went out to make disciples. And the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the company of science. There's a, there's a kind of a two-part thing that I'm trying to bring about. We're supposed to go make Jesus known. We're supposed to go preach the gospel. We're supposed to go make disciples of all nations. And as we do, there are different signs that will follow those who believe. Okay? If we're believers and we're preaching the gospel the way Jesus told us to, there's certain things that will follow those who believe. And when they did, Jesus, our Lord, confirmed the word of God through many accompanying signs. Luke says it this way. So we've done Matthew, we've done Mark, now we've got Luke. And they said to one another, did not. Now, this is at the tail end of the road to Emmaus. Okay? In Luke chapter 24, and the, the two disciples are who walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus are with him. And after Jesus revealed who he was to them, they said, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? So they rose up, and they, that very hour, and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven, 
and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord is risen indeed, and has appeared to Simon. That's a very great follow-up to resurrection service that we had last week. Okay? And they told about the things that had happened on the road, and how he, Jesus, was known to them. We're talking about knowing Jesus. Jesus was known to them after the cross, after the resurrection, in the breaking of bread. And now as they said these things, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and said to them, Peace to you. But they were terrified and frightened and supposed they had seen a spirit or a ghost. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do you doubt? Why do doubts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, and that is I myself. Handle me and see, for spirit does not have flesh and bones as, that you, as you see I have. On other accounts, we can read how we have doubting Thomas in this, in this uh, discourse right here. But pick it up, verse 40. And when he had said this, thus he showed them his hands and his feet. But while they were still did not believe, with joy and marvel, he said to them, Have you any food here? And so they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb, and he took and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. What is he talking about? He said everything that happened, the cross and the resurrection, took place, had, had to take place. He told them it would happen. It happened. He was crucified. He rose again on the third day, according to the law the prophets, and the Psalms. Concerning who? Concerning Jesus. We're here to know Jesus. And we're here to make him known. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Because the scriptures testify of him. Okay? And then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary, for the Christ to suffer. So he's preaching the gospel to them again. It already happened, but he's opening their understanding to know the scriptures, the gospel suffered, and to rise from the dead the third day. That's the gospel. And that the repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name. Where to all nations? Jesus said, according to Matthew, we're supposed to go to make disciples of all nations. Jesus said, according to Mark, we're supposed to go and preach the gospel to all nations. Jesus, according to Luke, Jesus preached about the finished work of the cross. And he said, this should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. He concludes by saying, and you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I said the promise of my Father upon you, called the Holy Spirit, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you and I do for this power from on high. Both in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we call us the Synoptic Gospels. Jesus said, we're supposed to go to all the world and preach this gospel to every creature, to everybody, making disciples of all nations. And we're supposed to do so with the promise of the Father with the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we're supposed to do these things. And go, moving forward to the book of Acts, Jesus, is, is, and now the book of Acts 
is really the second letter that Luke wrote. Luke wrote the book of Luke, he wrote the book of Acts, and in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he continues in his sequel of his first book, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all the Judea, Samaria, to, the, to where? The end of the earth. We're supposed to what? Preach the gospel. We're supposed to make the disciples of all nations. We're supposed to preach the gospel to the very, to every creature to the ends of the earth. We're supposed to preach that Christ suffered and rose again on the third day, according to the scriptures. And we're supposed to preach that message to the end of the earth. <coughs> we're supposed to do so after we receive power from on high, the Holy Spirit. To do what? To be witnesses to me. What's a witness? In a course, in a court. Um, set up a witness is really just going to state the facts that they see, that they heard that they know with evidence they can't say I think this happened they have to share what they witnessed what they saw, what they heard what they know and we are supposed to be witnesses of what? of Jesus we're talking in this passage about knowing Jesus and making him known. Jesus, according to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke chapter 24 and Acts chapter 1. <coughs> Excuse me, says that we are to be witnesses to make Jesus known. Are you following me? Am I making sense so far? Okay. So Jesus says that our mission, our commission, is to go and make Jesus known. Because we are, have received we received this power called the Holy Spirit to do one main thing, and that power is to make Jesus known. Are you following me? That is our ministry. That is our purpose. That's our job assignment. That's the reason why we have this power. Is to make Jesus known. Jesus said this in John chapter 5. He said, you search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And these, the scriptures, are they which testify me. The scriptures. From Genesis to the book of Revelation. And at the time of this writing in John, from Genesis to Malachi, testify of Jesus. They make Jesus known. Jesus also said in John 15, just before he went to the cross, and he said, and in context he's talking about the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit. And he said, and when the Helper comes, that's the Holy Spirit, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. We have the command of Jesus. We have the commission of Jesus. We have the ordination of Jesus to go and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. We have the promise of the Holy Spirit 
We, we were instructed to go, not alone, but we were instructed to go in the power of the Holy Spirit. To go be witnesses of Jesus. And we are supposed to do this in the power of the Holy Spirit. Because all scriptures that the Holy Spirit inspired to write, because all scripture is, is, is inspired by God, to be profitable for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God might be fully equipped for every good work. And this helper, the Spirit of truth, his main purpose is to testify of Jesus, by which you and I are witnesses of. Okay? And so we are supposed to teach Jesus. And Paul, in his last letter to Timothy, in Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, he says, Preach the word. What does the word do? The word testifies of Jesus. And we are to preach the word in season and out of season. We are to convince. We are to rebuke. We are to exhort with all long suffering, with all patience. We're, we're not supposed to hand it over people's heads. Yes, there's a place for rebuke and reproof and teaching and correction and training in righteousness. But we are supposed to preach the word. And what does the word do? It testifies of Jesus. We're supposed to go and make Jesus know in season and out of season. Jesus also said in Luke 19, 13, in the parable, when he was talking about the talents that were handed up, he says, go and occupy until I come. We have a job to do. We have an occupation to do. And that is to go and make Jesus known. In the book of Revelation, <coughs> the last book of the Bible, John's fifth book that he wrote while he was on Patmos. He said it's called the Revelation of Jesus Christ. What's the book of Revelation about? It's about revealing Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show him the service, things which must shortly take place. So does the book of Revelation contain end time events? Yes, it does. And he sent, he sent and signified it by his angel to a servant John who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus. I'm not going to go through the book of Revelation at length this morning, but I want to make mention of a couple things. That the book of Revelation is about revealing Jesus Christ. And the book of Revelation is about the testimony of Jesus. We are to testify of who Jesus is. We are to testify of this Christ. Are you following me so far? Okay? But in the, this, this phrase, the testimony of Jesus, is echoed two other times in this book. I want to fast forward to chapter 12, verse 17. It says, And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. We are the war, folks. There's a war, there's a dragon who's out to kill and steal and destroy. And I'm not going to go a lot of detail with this, but, <coughs> excuse me, of, of defining this prophecy. But this dragon is in rage because we have the testimony of Jesus. I want to go one more time, fast forward to chapter 19, verse 10. And I, John, fell at his feet an angel, to worship him. But he, an angel, said to me, 
see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant. Excuse <coughs> me. And of your brethren. Who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus. Is a spirit of prophecy. I don't have time this morning. And it's not the scope of my message this morning. To impact all of this verse right now. What I'm trying to do here. In the book of Revelation. In these three verses. Is that church. We have. The testimony of Jesus. And the testimony of Jesus. Is the spirit of prophecy. I don't have, again, I don't have time to talk about prophecy at length this morning. I believe in prophecy. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Word of God. But all three of those that I just mentioned, the prophecy, the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God, all testify of Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus is the message. Jesus is is what we are teaching. Jesus is who we are worshiping. Je and we have the testimony of Jesus. And the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I want to switch gears just a little bit. Okay? And I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And Paul makes some very profound statements here. This is really the core of really what I wanted to get to this morning. Everything I just said was a prelude to, to, to what I'm, the point that I want to get to right now. Hopefully you're following me. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, you are epistles. And some translation says we're living epistles. We are writ, written in our hearts and known to be read by all men. We have the testimony of Jesus. We have a message that we are commissioned by God. According to Matthew, according to Mark, According to, to, to Luke and, the, and his, 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 his gospel letter, as well as his letter called the Book of Acts. We, are, we have a testimony of Jesus that the dragon is, is enraged about. That's the spirit of prophecy. And we are written, we are living epistles, written by God. <coughs> Known and to be read by all men. Clearly, you are. An epistle of Christ. We are to be read. People need to see Jesus. We have a testimony. We have a witness. Excuse me. We have something in our lives. That people need to read. About Jesus. We have a commission. We are to know Jesus. And we are to make him known. Okay. It goes on to say in chapter 4. Even if our gospel is veiled. It is veiled to those who are perishing. Whose mind the God of this age is blinded. The God of this age is not God. The God of this age. Lord G is God, the devil. Who is enraged. Because we have the testimony of Jesus. Who do not believe. Who, who, who the mind the God of this age is blinded. Who do not believe lest. The light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God shining them? The gospel of the glory of Christ is not an it. It's a who. And I've taught this at length in times past. And we're supposed to preach Jesus. 
First must preach the gospel of Christ, which is a who? In his name is Jesus. For we do not preach ourselves. We do not preach ourselves. We preach Christ. We're here to preach Christ. The Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. <coughs> for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have this treasure called the testimony of Jesus, called the message of the gospel in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. One thing I'm trying to convey by continuing reading here is that in the last days, Jesus and all the apostles said, perilous times will come. There will be a shaking. There's going to be a lot going on in these last days. And we're going to be hard-pressed, persecuted on all sides. But we have the life of Jesus that's going to be manifested in these earthen vessels. We have this treasure. We're going to be attacked like never before. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe and therefore I spoke, we also believe. And therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus Christ will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. And he concludes by saying, for our life fiction, which is for, for a moment. Is working for us a far more seeming eternal weight of glory. For we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I don't have time to unpack all of this that we just read in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. We are here to preach Christ. And as we do, we're going to be hard pressed on all sides, especially in these last days. But we're here to preach and let Jesus be known. Are you following me so far? Going back to Paul's first letter to Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, 7. This is really the main point I'm trying to get to here in this chapter, in this book, not so much this verse. But Paul begins his, his letter to the Corinthians that you come short of no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many know we're waiting eagerly for Jesus to come again? We're waiting eagerly for the revelation of Jesus. He goes on to say in verse 17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words that the cross of Christ should be made no effect. Paul is saying about his own ministry, Remember, we talked three weeks, and we talked, spent three weeks talking about Paul's greatest ambition in his life was to know Jesus. Paul's greatest ambition in his ministry is to preach Jesus. 
Paul's greatest ambition was to know Jesus and make him known. Paul's greatest ambition in his life, he considered everything else done. Rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. And Paul's greatest ambition in his ministry was not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Lest the cross of Christ should be no effect. If we are preaching anything else but the gospel of Christ, I believe we can make the cross of Christ of no effect. Because Paul went on to say at the beginning of his book to the Romans, from the King James Version, we'll read, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteous God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just, the righteous, shall live by his faith. There's a lot here I've taught on this, these two verses at length in the years and weeks past. But Paul's saying, let me go back real quick. I'm here to preach Christ. I'm here to preach the gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God. A lot of people want me to preach about the power. You can't get more powerful than the gospel of Christ. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And it's available to everyone who believes. Because we, in this gospel, reveals the righteousness of God. Okay? And we, the just, who are righteous because of this gospel, we are saved because of this gospel. We live by faith. And because we live by faith, we have the same spirit of faith, according to what we just read in Second Corinthians, we speak the same things that Paul did and Jesus did. Going back to Corinthians chapter 2, and I, brethren, when I came to you, this is pretty much the, the main point I really want to make here. It's not, not my last point, but it's one of the main points I want to make here. I, brethren, when I came to you, <coughs> did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declared to you what? The testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. I've done a lot of teaching in these nine years as a church. And I might not know it all, but I don't want to know anything else. I don't want to teach anything else to you than to preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I only want to declare to you the testimony of Jesus, the testimony of God. But this is the main verse I want to get to. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit of power. Church, I believe, I believe we, you and I, need to preach nothing else, nothing less than the testimony of Jesus, the gospel of Christ to all creatures. But not just with words of human wisdom, we need to demonstrate this gospel. 
We need a teacher? Yes. We need to make disciples and students of them? Yes. But we need to demonstrate the Spirit and power. The gospel is the power of God. I believe the apostles changed the world upside down Christ, not only because they taught it, but they demonstrated it. Jesus, in his earthly ministry, he taught the word of God, but he also demonstrated it and drew crowds. The wicked, the, the sinners, the public and the sinners, cleave to Jesus. It was the religious people who wanted nothing to do with him. It was the religious people that, that orchestrated the whole cross and his crucifixion. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We don't want people to put their faith in me or in you. We want people to put their faith in God because we're demonstrating what we're teaching. Are you making, are, we're here to know Jesus and make him known. But if you're here to make Jesus known and your word, all you do is teach words, praise God for that if you're teaching the right word. But the gospel is a, the word of God is a word of power. Now, I'm going to expand on that in just a moment. Let me finish this context. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not in the wisdom of this age, nor in the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in the mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages, excuse me, of our glory. Verse 8. Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord glory. There's a whole big message right here. If Satan had known, if the religious leaders had known what the cross represented, they never would have crucified him. They thought it was their best move. It was actually their worst move based on their agenda, based on their objective. They thought they were just snuffing him out. The cross is actually the greatest victory Jesus ever accomplished. And if they hadn't known that, they would never would have crucified him. But he goes on to say, and he's quoting from the Old Testament. But as it is written, I have not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And when we know his love, that surpasses knowledge, we'll be filled with his fullness. And he is able to do exceedingly above all we can ask or imagine. All creation, from the prophets, in the law, the prophets, and the psalms. Now I have seen, nor ear has heard, nor has entered into our man, the things God has prepared for us who love us. We have such an amazing gospel. We have such an amazing message called the testimony of Jesus. That if we don't only teach it, what we demonstrate it, the world would receive our Jesus. Again. Because the kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power. Folks, we have reduced, so many of us have reduced the word of God to just a message, to just a Sunday sermon, to just an inspirational quote 
Arverse or Figurine or whatever you want to call it from a bottle bookstore. And I'm not a gift any of those things in and of themselves and all they don't become an idol. But the kingdom of God, the testimony of Jesus, Christianity is more than just a message. It's powerful. It's powerful. It can heal the sick. It can raise the dead. It can transform our life. It can do the supernatural. Because there are certain signs that are to follow those who believe, according to Mark 16. Are you following me? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And we should be experiencing the power of the gospel. Jesus did. The apostles did. Very true the world said now. See, when Jesus appointed the 70 in his earthly ministry, and he sent them out two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to, Jesus, when he sent out the 70, he sent them out two by two as a precursor, as a, preface, as a preface to his ministry in that town or that village. And then he said to them, to the 70, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And then he told the 70, not the apostles, but the 70, you heal the sick now. He told them to go heal the sick. And this was even before the cross. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Why would he say the kingdom of God has come near to you? And heal the sick. Because the kingdom of God is not just word, but it's power. Okay? When Jesus sent out the twelve, he sent out two by two in Matthew's version. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. You read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And you will see that the, G, that the twelve, as well as the seventy, were very busy doing these things. They weren't just preaching the word. And Jesus was not the only one preaching the word. And Jesus was not the only one doing miracles. They were doing miracles too. He commissioned them to do it. And not just the twelve. So some people say, well, it's just apostles. Well, the, the seventy were not apostles. Okay? So, you know, don't let your religion... Get in the way of the Word of God. Because by your traditions, you make the Word of God of no effect. Okay? Paul prayed in his first prayer in Ephesians, in him you also trusted. He's talking about God. He's talking about Jesus. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. I want to slow down just for a moment because I'm wrapping this up. Paul is praying for you and I. Yes, he wrote this to the Ephesus church. But his letters were circulated. And I believe all scriptures is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, 
for correction and training and righteousness. We trusted him. We're talking about knowing Jesus and making him known. We trusted him. When did we trust him? After we heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation. We trusted him. And we became born again. In whom also, not only did we trust him to be, to be saved, but we also trusted, and whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Who is a guarantee of our inheritance. We didn't only do receive the Holy Spirit as, our, as the power from on high. We also receive the Holy Spirit of promise as our guarantee of our inheritance. Until the redemption. Until the redemption of the person possession. We have an inheritance until we, the redemption has fully been possessed. This is a message from the finished work of the cross until Jesus comes again. To the praise of his glory. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all those things, do not cease to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers. What's his prayer? That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father who I may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, where? In knowing him. My prayer for you and for me is that we may have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in knowing Jesus. We're talking about knowing Jesus and making him known. He continues that the eyes of your understanding might be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? This inheritance is until we receive the total possession. We have an inheritance that we will receive in heaven, but we have an inheritance now. Are you following me? What is the exceeding greatness of his power? There's a power in the gospel. There's a greatness to that power that should be, that the world should be marveling. And should, there's a word I'm looking for, and I can't quite get it, but there, we should just be awestruck by his Greatness of his power toward us who believe. There's an exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of my God. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is in us. Okay? We have the same power. When we know his love, we are filled with the very fullness of God and he's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us. Folks, we need the power to be demonstrated because the kingdom of God is not just word only, but it's also power. And G Paul, when he did his ministry, he didn't just teach him word, 
but also demonstration of the spirit of power. In Colossians, he says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and throw, and throw up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister. Paul became a minister according to the stewardship of God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. That the mystery which hath been hidden from all ages, from Genesis to the cross, to the, to, let me rephrase that. It was a mystery that was hidden from Genesis to fall until the birth of this church, a Pentecost, which was subsequent to the finished work of the cross. And from generation, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known. You need to know Jesus and make him known. God has willed for you to know the mysteries of the ages. And what are the riches? He wants you to know the riches of the glory of this mystery of modern Gentiles. What is this mystery? Christ in you. The hope of glory. We have a hope. We have the positive expectation of good. That's the definition for hope. Christ in you is the hope of glory. We have the testimony of Jesus. We have Jesus. And he goes on to say, Him we preach. We're here to make Jesus known. We're here to teach the testimony of Jesus. Here we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in our wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. There's so much in here in all these verses I'm reading. I have a list of verses to read to you this morning. I'm just going down. This Bible trail of verses from Matthew, Mark, Luke, many letters from Paul, the book of Revelation, from Jesus, and, and so many letters saying that we have a message to make Jesus known. Am I making sense this morning? Because of this fullness we have all received in grace for grace. And I want to conclude with this passage here in Ephesians. And I wish I had more time to elaborate on all this. But I felt like the Lord really just wanted me to read the scriptures. I mean, if you look at my notes, I just have all the scriptures listed. I don't have any commentary in my notes. I just have the scriptures listed. That's what God told me to preach this morning. Now I want to conclude with Ephesians 4 from the King James Version. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why did he give us these? These are gifts to the church. Excuse me. You go back to verse 8, I believe it is. These are gifts to the church. And he gave these, what we call the fivefold ministry, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Jesus gave us pastors and teachers and etc. to perfect us for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then there's a colon. What's our job description? 
What's my job description as a pastor? What's your job description as a believer? Because we are all able ministers of the new covenant, according to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. What's our job description? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. My job as a pastor, your job as a bishop, apostle, evangelist, believer, disciple of Christ, is that we all come, your job is, good, is to perfect the saints for the work of the ministry to the edifying the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Your job is to let people come to the knowledge of Jesus, to make Jesus known. Know Jesus and make him known. Till we all come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's maturity. And so, just because you make Jesus known and then we see Jesus Christ, your job's not done. Excuse me. Because, I mean, you know, it takes time to come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And none of us have arrived there. But many of us have left, and we are on our way there. Most of us, listening to this message, are not where we used to be. We're not totally, we're not, we have not completely arrived where we don't need to be taught anymore. If your attitude is, well, I already know that I don't need to be taught anymore, that tells me all the more you have not come to the measure of the statue of Christ. Because by your own words, you just make that clear. Because only an immature person would say that. Only someone who has not tasted the stature of the fullness of Christ would say something like that. Okay? And so, my job is to know Jesus personally. And my job and your job is to make Jesus known. And that's why we are in existence. That's why we do this church. That's why we do this ministry. It's to know Jesus and make him known. God bless you guys. Sorry for the late start. Sorry for all the interruptions we've had recently with technology, but we're here to make G know Jesus and to make him known. And we need to de start demonstrating Jesus to the world. They are hungry to see a demonstration of the power of God. Why do you think they keep going to the movies and different things to see the supernatural? Because we're not offering it. The world is hungry to see the supernatural. And we have this treasure and jars of clay to show the excellency is of God and not of us. I'm not here to promote Dave. I'm not here to promote this church. I'm here to know Jesus and make him known. Otherwise, we have no business being here. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week.